You're listening to C-Suite Growth Talks, a podcast by McKinsey. Here we're speaking with top corporate leaders about the challenges and opportunities on the road to sustainable and profitable growth. We're excited to have with us today, Dr. Erica Taylor, Chief Marketing Officer at Genetech, and Jennifer Dyken, Associate Partner at McKinsey, to discuss the growth initiatives and objectives driving the world of business. Thank you, Cindy, and welcome, Erica. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to sit down with you today and reflect together on your first year as Genentech's first chief marketing officer. There's a lot of layers in your story, but let's start with you sharing a little bit more about your background and how you found yourself sitting today as Genentech's first CMO. Um, so I always start by saying that I am a scientist by training. Um, I uh, trained as an immunologist and um, have been in the bioscience uh, industry uh, for a little over 15 years. Um, I've spent most of the last 13 years at Genentech uh, and I've had a variety of roles across um, analytics and um, internal consulting, um, sales, and then, of course, marketing um, across a variety of therapeutic areas. Um, one interesting thing to note about uh, my story, um, partly why I say I've spent most of the last 13 years at Genentech, is that um, in 2020, I actually left the organization and went to a different biotech company to work on um, a COVID-19 um, antiviral. And so was a part of a um, building a U.S. commercial team um, working on COVID. So certainly an interesting time. Um, gave me a lot of interesting perspective on what marketing might look like in other organizations and um, came back to Genentech in 2021 um, and joined as the chief marketing officer, uh, as I said, almost exactly one year ago. So Erica, we all know Genentech is typically regarded as the world's first biotech. It has grown into an organization with over 40 medicines in market and over 20 new molecular entities in clinical development. It's a fantastic growth story rooted in innovation. And we'd love to hear from you today on what do you think are the most pressing challenges standing in the way of growth for life sciences innovators today? Yeah, uh, thanks for that. And we're really proud of what we've been able to innovate um, at Genentech and still continue to do so today. I think one of the biggest challenges facing everyone in this industry is that the pace of innovation is actually increasing and that science in general is increasing in its pace in terms of our understanding of disease, um, subcategories of disease, different um, sort of natural histories of certain pathologies, which of course then leads to more sophisticated drug development, drug targeting, and better health for patients. It's a good thing that science and innovation is increasing. The challenge that presents us, however, is now we have that many more molecules and therapeutic areas to address with essentially the same amount of commercialization resourcing. Um, the way I like to think of this, and certainly for Genentech, this is true for us, we are used to commercializing a small number of products that are sold or used in a large number of patients. So the future is moving toward a large number of products used in smaller and smaller numbers of patients based on the sophisticated understanding of disease. When you have that, I think we have to sort of retool how we think about commercialization and if we don't do that and do that quickly, I think we risk um, certainly sacrificing growth, but most importantly, the possible benefit to patients. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I'd love to hear a little bit more about Genentech's overall growth aspirations, both short and long term, and why sustainability and inclusivity sit at the heart of your growth strategy that you just touched on. 
Yeah, uh, it's all rooted, as I mentioned, in just sort of the acceleration of science. And um, it's rooted in a couple of things, I think, as a part of um, our, our growth aspirations. We need to understand disease in a more nuanced way. And in order to do that, we need to do so in more diverse patient populations. Historically, um, our studies are done in relatively homogeneous patient populations. And there's an opportunity lost in terms of what we might understand more deeply about disease states um, when we do that. And so having a focus on inclusivity in our research is incredibly important to sustaining our posture of innovation in the market. The other piece of this, as it relates to sustainability, um, as we are treating, um, you know, more populations, both in the U.S. and externally, we are outside of the U.S., that is, you know, we are, we are a member of the Roche Group, we have to be able to uh, have a sustainability to the healthcare system in general. We cannot have this runaway increase in costs and inaccessibility for patients. And so with that, we think about a lot of opportunities that may exist to have patients administer drugs at home, for example, different modalities of administration that are more convenient and fit more into the lives of the people we're trying to help. I'd love to just go a little bit deeper on this concept of we're moving from a world of few medicines for lots of patients to a world in which there's lots of medicines for a small number of patients as these therapies become more targeted. How are you and how is Genentech thinking about leveraging digital technologies like generative AI in this paradigm to ensure that the right medicines are getting to the right patient populations? And what is the role that you see marketing playing in that? Well, this is where I get really excited about the opportunity to be in this role at this time. Um, so as you, as you mentioned, we have to sort of retool how we do commercialization. And the fact is finding these patients and finding the, the providers that treat them gets harder because they're a little bit more such, such as you might say, a needle in a haystack because of the way that we have more sophisticated targeted medicines. So we cannot continue to produce um, information, marketing content to the masses. We have to begin to tailor and personalize that content, deliver it through the right channels at the right time so that we're um, providing the information in a timely way for the right patient. That's really hard to do with the way we currently do marketing. We must leverage digital tools in terms of finding alternatives alternative ways to reach patients. Um, a lot of people are accessing information on their phone through social media channels. We all know this and experience this when we buy a pair of shoes or a refrigerator. Um, a lot of these technologies we need to bring into our space appropriately, of course, um, so that we can scale our ability to reach patients and providers. Um, so we have a, a good, healthy understanding of the challenge before us. Um, we need new tools to be able to do this appropriately. We need new processes. Um, we're highly regulated, as you well know, um, and we need um uh, approval processes that um, are equipped to approve, for example, content in a modular fashion that we can begin to leverage our generative AI tools to assemble and then distribute through channels. That's the future where we're headed. I'd like to switch gears for a minute and just touch briefly on Genentech's culture. I think within the life sciences industry, many folks look at Genentech as one of the most innovative um, and culture-driven organizations. It's been listed as one of Forbes, 100 best companies to work for for the past 24 years in a row and on their list for best employers for diversity since it started looking at that dimension five years ago. So I'd love to hear a little bit about um, how you think about the unique culture at Genentech and how it's informed and influenced the company's growth strategy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, another thing we're really proud of, and I will say um, leaving the organization provides a really interesting outside in perspective on the culture that we actively cultivate and sustain um, internally. I've also been really proud of all of our efforts on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we'll say that we we walk the talk, and um, a lot of the things that we put in place under our chief diversity officer, both internally and external facing, I think are industry leading, and really proud of what we've been able to achieve there. When I think about our culture, um, I, I think of two sort of things um, that I think root us all. The first is, of course, we and we follow the science, and the very next thing we do after that is take care of people. Um, I think when you want to have a culture of innovation, you have to create a space of safety. You have to create a space of uh, mindful risk taking. Um, and in order to do that, you have to have great trust in the people that you're bringing into the organization. When you layer in the fact that we now are really focused on ensuring that we have the most diverse uh, workforce that reflects the patients that we serve, I see that only accelerating not only how we develop medicines, bringing in folks with different lived experiences from different backgrounds. I think there's um, more opportunity for both innovation at the bench. When you think about this in when you want to commercialize and when I think about what we've just talked about around how we've got to reach many more um, uh, patients with uh, more medicines or smaller populations of patients, you have to have some connectivity to who it is you are treating. And I think having a workforce that reflects the patients that we serve only ensures that we're that much more able to customize, personalize our content, make it culturally competent and relevant so that folks understand the innovations that we may be able to offer them. So all of that to me really truly does go in hand in hand and is essential to our future growth. I love that. And I think, you know, if you take into context the role of marketing at your organization, that is really the, the legs and arms to the patients in many ways. So reflecting the diversity of the patient populations that you're trying to reach with your your marketers as well seems ever more important. So I'd love to understand a little bit about how you think about leveraging that unique aspect of Genentech's culture in the context of your role as chief marketing officer and what you and your team are trying to achieve. Yeah, uh, one of the things I've been really focused on um, as a chief marketing officer and knowing the transformation that we need to do is celebrating what we learn and celebrating when we win. And I think this is how I think about fostering a culture of innovation, as I mentioned earlier, make it safe to do some mindful risk taking, even if we get a knee scrape here and there. We have to make that okay for people. I think that um, because of all that we've done historically, our growth, the number of medicines, we have developed a point of view that says, well, we must do what we know will work. And while that is important and is true, we must also be able to innovate, which means you have to try to do something that you're not sure is going to work. So I try to use um, our platform to highlight things that we've tried um, and learned from, didn't work exactly as we planned um, for a couple of reasons. One, again, celebrating that creates a culture where that becomes okay. And two, so we don't repeat it. <laughs> so we're always <laughs> learning new things along the way, just as much as you celebrate the things you took a chance on and then happen to work the way they intended this is something that is personal to me as a scientist by training and spending 10 years as a bench scientist. I am very used to going in, doing an experiment and having it not work out the way I planned. 
What you have to do, though, is quickly understand what you've learned from that and design the next experiment accordingly. I really want to bring a bit of that spirit um, more um, firmly within our marketing culture so that we can find novel channels, novel ways of developing content. Maybe, again, we scrape our knee here or there, but we, we learn, we get up again, and we make sure that we pass those learnings on to other teams. I love that. I think bringing the spirit of experimentation, given your background as a scientist to the world of marketing is is fantastic. So wonderful. We're going to take a quick break before diving into our next segment. We're back with Erica Taylor, CMO at Genentech. One thing that Genentech emphasizes is the quote-unquote science of good, essentially looking at how we can advance science for the greater good. Erica, we'd love to hear from you on what the science of good means at Genentech, and how does the science of good fundamentally shape your growth agenda in marketing? Absolutely. I think um, in, in our view, the science of good is about enabling people to live the best possible life that they can with the highest health that they can. Um, and we believe that that, you know, the, the sort of science shows that that unlocks so much in terms of um, healthier families, healthier communities, healthier worlds. Um, when we think about this from from our um, point of view, part of that is not only just sort of innovating for folks that um, have diseases that we treat, but also things like how do we make sure people are getting tested earlier? How do we make sure that all patients have access? There's a huge health equity lens there when we think about ensuring that your zip code doesn't really determine your life expectancy as the data so often shows us. And one of the things that we've done to really shape our growth agenda to do this is to actually completely overhaul our customer engagement organization. So our field and and patient and customer facing organization to be rooted in the communities in which they serve. Traditionally in our organization or not, and not just ours, but others, you orient from the product and then you go out. In this case, we're orienting from the communities and bringing those insights in. And that is how we consider that that will help shape our growth agenda, identify new opportunities where patients are maybe not getting their optimal health for any number of reasons, and roll up our sleeves to figure out how and where we can partner to really advance health for all communities. As the industry grapples with increasing competitive market dynamics, I'm spending a lot of time with leaders across the industry thinking about what does the future of marketing look like? As Genentech CMO, I'd love to hear from you. What capabilities do you think the pharma marketer of the future needs to have? Yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about that as much as I'm usually up to my shoulders in our tech tools, our processes, and our people of today. I think a lot about what does the marketer of the future need to bring to ensure our continued growth as an organization. And I'm really challenging myself to move beyond what I think Traditionally, we might have thought of a, of a, a biotech or pharma marketer. So, for example, a lot of organizations have um, biotech and pharma marketers with deep science backgrounds or with consulting backgrounds or with sales backgrounds, but always sort of focused in our industry. And I think we hold the uniqueness of our industry sometimes slightly overbalanced with understanding that there's so much to be brought in from outside of our industry to continue to innovate. So I think about the marketer of the future may not have a pharma background, might have a background selling consumer product goods, but understands how to leverage performance marketing, real-time data to make decisions and market in a very agile way using modular content. We're starting that journey right now, but marketers of the future will already know how to do that. 
Uh, I also think a lot about um, Gen Z and how we will engage, um, motivate, and really have that as a part of our workforce in in the future. Um, I must admit, quite candidly, I'm not a member of Gen Z or the generation after that or the <laughs> generation after that. <laughs> so I have to do my own learning and I am really excited about the opportunity to really just be open um, and, and humble to what these folks who are really the future for not only our organization and our industry, but the world and what they care about. There's a huge vein around purpose-driven work, making sure that it's connected and rooted in community, which is so in line with what we're doing around science of good. How do I make Genentech an, an exciting place for someone who wants to do that work here? As you think about this next generation of marketers um, who are going to be entering the workforce soon, as well as the leaders who are going to be helping them develop. What advice do you have for somebody who's starting their career in marketing and perhaps in marketing and life sciences specifically? I have uh, benefited from some great advice. Sometimes great advice I only realized after I didn't take it and learn some hard lessons. <laughs> Those are often ones that you learn the most, but then also great advice that I did take and was able to continue to, to grow from. For someone starting their marketing journey today, either in or outside of this industry, I think be a sponge Learn as much as you can from what's happening out in the world. Be willing to try again and innovate and experiment with new technologies and modalities, but also um, be willing to understand that there is a bedrock of of knowledge and capability that exists currently and those around you that are a bit more seasoned. And it's about putting those two together in a really uh, profound way that actually moves you forward in your career. Meet as many people as you can. Do it in the spirit of growing a community of like-minded thinkers, less so in the spirit of transactional, I want this from you, you want this from me. And you will always have an interesting opportunity in front of you. Um, one of the things that I think is also really important, uh, particularly for marketers, is um, learn as much about all the other parts of the business as you can. And perhaps this is my bias as a scientist, sort of really having an understanding of the very early parts of the value chain, having done some time in sales, really understanding the later ends of the value chain. All of these pieces connect. And CEOs of companies like Genentech and Roche are thinking about this in a very holistic way. A great way to grow your career is to learn as much as you can across this entire value chain. You might uncover interesting opportunities and career paths you hadn't imagined for yourself. Fantastic. I think Genentech has been a great example of supporting that type of uh, a walk around, if you will, at, at the organization to get exposure to different functions. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I've been really fortunate. I mean, it's, you know, I, I spend some time occasionally with um, with college and graduate students. I really love spending time with students. And I get asked all the time, like, how did you go from science to marketing? And mm -hmm. Um, I would not have been able to do that perhaps as easily um, at another organization. I think Genentech values folks with um, atypical backgrounds, if you will. Um, and, you know, I'll say my sales job was the hardest job I ever had. Um, I learned the most out of it. Those two things usually go hand in hand. Um, I think made me a better marketer, mm -hmm. um, gives me a different sense of, you know, sort of the other career options that are available for folks and a deep, deep, deep respect for lifelong sales folks. It is hard work. It's hard work to do really well. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break before diving into our next segment.
Welcome back. So Erica, I wanted to wrap up our time together by asking you some rapid fire questions that give our listeners further insight into your role as a leader actively working to advance growth. So what's the the most important lesson you've learned as a leader, especially in your last year as Genentech's first CMO? Uh, Yeah, um, I'll say I've learned a lot of lessons as I was uh, reflecting I think um, I'll pick two, actually, because they're they're top of mind for me, particularly as I gaze ahead into the next year uh, in this role. The first is words matter, which sounds simple and obvious, but um, I don't think I fully appreciated the sort of um, weight with which what I um, articulate, the vision that we want to have, the outcomes that we're driving at would mean for an organization prepared to mobilize. It's very powerful to see, um, you know, something that starts to me as a somewhat harebrained idea becomes something that really comes into reality. And the words that I use to uh, shape that really, really do matter. Um, And as much as I try to be incredibly thoughtful about what we're achieving and how we talk about it. I'm also, I'm a girl from the the Midwest. I speak casually and every so often an offhanded comment gets taken in a completely different direction that I didn't intend. And so I'm much more mindful these days of saying, you know, being very clear that, hey, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm not asking for any um, action to drive out of this. I really do want your feedback and really trying to be mindful of that. And this is one that feels very present to me um, these days is really around aligning how I spend my time to the priorities that I set. It's hard. And, and what makes that hard isn't that I don't have priorities nor that it's hard to say no to things that are not priorities in terms of how I spend my time. But the fact that there's so many things to wrap your arms around, I really very much want to be there for my team and my people and spending time with them gives me energy and ideas, um, even if it's not something directly related to a priority. Um, And so I find myself um, really working to not be overcommitted in my time um, and my efforts. I do not know that I've ever gotten this balance right. I hope to get it better in the next uh, year or so, but it is definitely a lesson that I learned that if your time is not spent with your work your priorities are, they really won't move forward as quickly. Um, One of the other ones, I mentioned that sales was my hardest role. The lesson I got out of that is you might be right, but you won't change behavior. And it was important for me because up until that point, as a technically trained person in an analytics role, your currency is your accuracy. That is how you motivate change in decision-making. The aha that I got in sales was that, yes, that's part of it, But there's so much more that you need to understand about what's happening with that individual, their office and their patients, and actually to motivate change in behavior. As marketing leaders feel more pressure to drive growth, Erica, any parting thoughts on what they need to do differently in the future? The the one word that keeps coming to mind, and this might sound completely unexciting, (laughs) but the word is discipline. And being able to be really disciplined about the investment decisions you're making, how you're going to measure success for them, being very clear and articulating your valued actions. The, you know, we use the term KPI all the time. We know that very often your KPI is lagging and how you get the right leading indicators that help you make better decisions in the moment to extract value. It's hard to do, um, and some of it's related to the tools that we have, the pace with which, and the, the frequency with which we can get them. The thing that I find the hardest about having discipline around this is a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, every time, um, these um, you know marketing tactics are attached to people who are attached to them. 
Um, and, and they value the work that they're doing. They're very passionate about it. They have a belief, um, rightly so, that their performance is matched to that. So it can be really hard to raise your hand and say, this, and this tactic isn't doing what we need it to do, and we need to stop. And that is that takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of courage to sometimes walk away from something. It's absolutely important for CMOs to encourage an environment where mm-hmm. we're doing that and we're rewarding it. Um, and I see that as my role right now. And I would encourage all of my peers in this industry and out of it to sort of build a reward mechanism around making good disciplined business decisions versus seeing something all the way through that we had a passion for at the beginning of the year, but has lost its effectiveness three quarters later. As you think about the future in life sciences or in marketing more broadly, Erica, what are you seeing that excites you the most? I'm excited to bring new innovations to patients. I'm just always going to have an orientation toward the cool things that are happening in at the bench, the, the innovative ways in which we're going to reach patients. What gets me out of bed in the morning is using marketing, our ability to reach people in a personalized, culturally competent and sensible and relevant way to motivate action, both amongst our patients, our providers, our payers, our health institutions. They're all working together for the same the same endpoint is making sure that we're increasing the health of the community. And I'm really excited about our ways to be really fine-tuned about doing that. Um, what that means for me, again, also exciting, is that we need, as I mentioned earlier, the most diverse workforce possible to reflect our patients so that we can do that. And I'm excited about shaping our organization in that direction and what that will ultimately mean for patients and for health of the community overall. So it's a big goal. I love to just have a tiny hand in it. I know we can't do this on our own. Um, I've got obviously an amazing team around me and wonderful support from Genentech and beyond. But, um, you know, together being able to have a hand in moving this forward, I think is it, it's my small part to try to save the world, such as it were. Well, I think having your North Star rooted in getting more innovations to patients who need them is uh, is a great note to end on. So thank you, Erica. Really appreciate your time for joining us today. That was Erica Taylor, Chief Marketing Officer at Genetech, and Jennifer Dykin, Associate Partner at McKinsey. I'm Cindy Van Horn, Global Director of Communications here at McKinsey. Thank you for listening to this episode of C-Suite Growth Talks. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.